Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Fried Green Tomatoes. Go check out our previous episodes if you haven't had a chance yet, because they have a ton of great info. Um, today in episode seven, we're going to be discussing more about lighting. Once again, I'm Lauren, and joining me is my friend David. Hey, everybody. We're going to have a pretty good conversation today. A lot of a lot of facts about lights that I didn't even know until I started doing the research for this. So we're going to learn a lot. All right. Well, let's get started then. Um, start first off. How important is lighting? So lighting uh, turned out to be one of the largest contributing factors to whether you're going to get uh, a high yield or, uh, you know, larger than normal yields when it comes to controllable elements of your environment. And why is that? So in order to understand that, we're going to kind of talk about what happens to a plant when it doesn't get enough light. So when plants lack light, um, they don't produce chlorophyll. Uh, chlorophyll, among a million other things, is one of the reasons that a plant is green. It's the green pigment inside of plants. Without it, plants will turn yellow, um, pale green, white, or uh, red and black as well sometimes. Also, um, another thing that happens is that a uh, the stems of the plant will become leggy, meaning that Stems that do not have enough light reach out and the distance between nodes elongates significantly. Now, the problem with this is that when you have a long distance between each node on your plant and you try to flower that plant, um, getting consistent light to those buds is going to be much more difficult when they're spread across a larger area. Mm -hmm. Lack of light to a flowering plant will sometimes make the plant itself not produce any buds entirely. So you would lose the entire yield as well. Another important thing to remember is that plants are called uh, autotrophs, which means that they create their own food source. So to make the food, they need carbon dioxide, water, and light. These three components are all the main driving factors in photosynthesis. So photosynthesis is what happens when the plant absorbs the carbon dioxide along with the nutrients and the water through the holes found in the roots, um, not only in the roots, but roots, branches, stems, flowers, etc. Pretty much every single inch of the flower has holes in it in which it can absorb carbon dioxide, water, nutrients. The light energy then triggers a chemical reaction that breaks down the carbon dioxide and the water molecules. The, this process creates a sugar called glucose, um, as well as a natural byproduct of oxygen. So the glucose is what is broken down by um, organelles called chloroplast and provide the energy that the plant needs to grow and repair itself. All right. Um, is the color of light important? Yeah. So plants can only absorb certain spectrums of light. And um, the spectrum of light that plants use is known as photosynthetically active radiation, um, or, or PAR for short. Um, so PAR uh, is defined as the type of light on the spectrum where the plants respond best for photosynthesis. PAR typically looks at wavelengths around 400 to 700 nm as the range um, in which plants need to thrive. In the PAR zone, we measure the light which falls on the crop. 
um, which is expressed as PPFD or photosynthetic photon flux density, which is measured in micromoles per meter per second. With each light that you purchase, it will probably give you your PPFD range as well as the PAR zone along with the documentation that you get from the actual distributor. So this is important to look at before you're purchasing lights. Usually they have the profiles on the website and you can see exactly what it is that you're getting. So if you want to get kind of nerdy and in the details, you can see exactly what those ranges are before you purchase most light units. So typically in a greenhouse environment, um, we've always expressed light levels in lux. And lux can also be called lumens, and it's a, a measure of perceived light by, by human eyes, um, which typically reacts to white light. Now, the start and the end point of light that is visible to the human eye just happens to be the exact same range as the PAR zone. Typically, this light range is what is needed to react with the chlorophyll, uh, both types of chlorophyll in a plant, which are just chlorophyll A and chlorophyll B. Do you know how each of the colors of light affects the plant? Yeah, so plants react to light in three major ways. So they capture the light, they use the light for photosynthesis, and then they react, typically by growing. So when we talk about how specific colors affect the plant, we have to understand the attributes of each color. So, for example, infrared light uh, will travel all the way through a plant, uh, meaning that it doesn't stop at the surface and get absorbed there. It will hit the top of the leaf, the bottom of the leaf, and everything in the middle. Whereas red and blue light are trapped on the very outside edges of the plant, um, an excess of either red or blue light can cause bleaching in a plant, which is when these colors get trapped on the outside edge and then they're never ever processed, it will eventually damage the leaf, um, generally turning it totally white. And that's why it's called bleaching. So during a vegetation stage, if you increase the amount of blue light, uh, it will result in more compact nodes, stockier plants. So basically the opposite of what we were talking about at the beginning, where we were talking about things being leggy. So an abundance of blue will stack all that together. So then you have um, much bigger buds in the middle of flower because as they grow, they're going to start overlapping each other because of the nodes being so uh, tightly packed. Transversely, um, in the flowering stage, once those buds are, are in the process of growing, you switch it over to red light. Adding more red light is going to increase the growth rate of the plant and make it stretch, which is going to um, make each one of those bud nodes also stretch, resulting in larger yields. Mm -hmm. And why is that? So the main reason for this is something called uh, the Emerson effect. Um, so I had to do a lot of research on this to even understand what it is. But um, the Emerson effect is essentially is an increase in the rate of photosynthesis after chloroplasts are exposed, exposed to a certain range of light wavelengths. Um, and that's typically the deep red spectrum and then the far red spectrum, which are two different things. And what's interesting about this is that it means that the sum of using red light and infrared light together is greater than if you just use them separately. Does that make sense? Yeah, somewhat. <laughs> <laughs>
it's saying is that so one one red light plus one infrared light. So you're thinking one plus one should equal two, but it doesn't. It actually equals like three because the two wavelengths working together like multiply the effect like of each planet. other. Right. Yes, exactly. With our powers combined. Exactly. Got it. <laughs> That's what I'm here for, the comic relief. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. So we were talking before we started the episode about photosystems. Do you mind touching on that again? Yeah, of course. So all plants have two distinct photosystem, uh, photosystems whose work is to uh, not only absorb but transfer light energy. Um, in, and these are called photosystem one and photosystem two. So these two photosystems are the functional units of photosynthesis. So PS2 acts first during the light transformation process in photosynthesis, but it's named PS2 because it was discovered second. Um, each photosystem consists of two closely linked components. The first is going to be the antenna complex, formed by hundreds of pigment molecules that capture photons and transfer the harvested light energy to the second component. The second component is essentially just a, a reaction center. So inside the reaction center is chlorophyll. And when the energy reaches the chlorophyll at the reaction center, the electron transfer is initiated through the electron transport chain. This is how plants take light and turn it into energy. So what is the best system for delivering light to plants? So typically uh, you have to think of it how, pl how plants receive light in the real environment. So the best system for a plant to get light is going to be what it's had for thousands and thousands of years. So it needs a bright, heavy light source as far away from the plant as possible while still giving it the maximum amount that it needs to sustain. Okay, and do we know why that is? Yeah, so plants have photoreceptors, which are proteins that are specially designed to perceive light and then signal certain biological responses based off of the information that it gets about the light. Um, so to understand how this works, we kind of need to understand light a little bit. So our, our eyes see what is called visible light, and this light travels in waves, and then we see colors. We, we're actually seeing certain waves of light being reflected off of objects. So green leaves reflect green light to our eyeballs, so it will bounce off of the leaf itself onto our eye. So we see green because the leaf is absorbing every other possible color except for green. The leaf itself isn't actually green. We are just seeing green because it is the only thing not being absorbed by that object. So being able to detect, to detect different waves of light is important to plants because they use the different light waves for different purposes. So uh, photochromes, uh, which are principal receptors for light in the, the red, far red region of the spectrum, play a, a major role in the regulating uh, seed germination and seedling establishment, right? So this is going to help you root clones and grow seedlings, things of that nature. Mm -hmm. The actions of the photochrome enable a, a plant to quantify shade and trigger a series of developmental responses um, that is thought to provide the plant with a competitive advantage over its neighbors. 
Now, you'll see this a lot of times growing if you're growing multiple plants at one time because you will see that some of them will start to become dominant over the other ones and start growing more rapidly and trying to eat up the light source from the smaller plants. So additionally, there are also um, two classes of photoreceptors that have been reported um, in plants. So some absorb blue UVA lights. So basically the two classes of photoreceptors are cryptochromes and phototropins. So the cryptochrome family photoreceptors participate in several plant processes, um, ranging from photomorphogenous to entrainment of the circadian clock. So a circadian clock or circadian oscillator is the biochemical oscillator that cycles um, with a stable phase and is synchronized with solar time. So this is essentially the internal clock that will let the plant know whether it is um, daytime or nighttime. Mm -hmm. And then that clock gets reset as an organism senses environmental time cues um, of which the primary one is light. So this tells the plant that it's time to rest and regenerate and when it's time to start ramp up, ramping up and really kicking in photosynthesis, which um, that this happens most often, usually about an hour or so after the plant actually, quote unquote, um, is awake. So as soon as you turn the lights on, an hour after the lights kick on is going to be the most important time to make sure that the plant has everything that it needs in terms of nutrients, water supply, all that stuff. So if you're waiting to water your plant till the end of the day, that's usually not the play, right? Mm -hmm. On the other hand, uh, phototropins are the principal photoreceptors for blue light, um, blue light phototropism in plants. Um, phototropins uh, mediate other critical adaptive responses of the plants um, to the surrounding light environment, um, which, which serve to enhance the photosynthesis status of the plant. Increasing light intake in dark environments, it will still photosynthesize in the dark environments because of that. The phototropins are also heavily involved in reducing damage from too much light or light sources being too close to the plant itself. Mm -hmm. And does CO2 reduce light damage? So in a roundabout way, um, yes. That's kind of a double-edged sword on a question because it implies that having more CO2 um, intake from the plant will kind of like, you know, boost its immune system, allow it to reduce light damage, but it's not technically the case because having high CO2, the only thing that really does for a plant um, is causes kind of um, thicker biomaterial, I guess is the best way to actually um, communicate that because the leaves get thicker, um, they're more dense. Same thing with the, st the stems, everything just becomes more dense. So there's more material there to burn. So a burn will not be as severe, but it doesn't actually reduce the, the or increase the plant's ability to resist the light. It just creates more of the plant to be damaged so it can absorb more damage. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, a, a concentration of CO2 and temperature also influences photosynthesis in a potentially dramatic way. So um, photosynthesis increases as carbon dioxide increases. 
So until it reaches some saturation concentration, um, which is typically around 1,000 ppm, and once it hits that, you kind of lose the efficacy. Uh, it's kind of like a diminishing returns. So, I mean, all of that is to say that, you know, yet, yes, it does, but not in a significant manner in which everyone should have, um, you know, CO2 producing bags hanging in their grow closets. Got it. All right. Well, that was a lot of really great information on lighting. Um, in the next episode, we are going to go over tips and tricks for training. If you have any questions about anything that we've discussed so far, or if there's something that you want to talk about, um, want us to talk about, please reach out to us via email at vafriedgreentomatoes at gmail.com. You can message us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. We look forward to the next time. Thanks, everybody. See ya.